Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Our good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Thank you. 
I've got to say happy birthday to my brother today. Happy birthday, brother. Who wouldn't be listening to this program because he likes a different kind of music. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. You might have read in the newspaper that the police have determined that bullying was not the cause of a young girl's suicide. Think about this. If bullying were the cause of suicide, how many married men would be left in the world today?
The unforgettable sound of the great John Thyssen, who must have graduated from the Eastman School of Music back around 1959. Sure, you remember that well. You'll be glad to hear that I don't have much to say about the Boston Marathon bombing, but aren't you frightened by people who back up everything they say and do with the with the name of God?
Got Hamilton on the humble farmer. What's going on here? I don't move that around a little bit. Is that better? Scott Hamilton here on the humble farmer. Where with any luck at all? You can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite station. Thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. And, of course, I'd love to hear from you. I have had a last like hand-wringing and all that sort of thing. I've had a lot of pop-up ads appear on my computer screen lately. And I asked my Facebook friends for help. Of course, several replied, for which I'm grateful. But I think I got the most help from what John wrote. John is a guru, studied at some university in Florida, studied computers. John says, The origin of pop-up ads can be almost anything. Merely stating that you are getting them would be akin to telling an auto mechanic over the phone that there was a clicking sound, sound, a clicking noise coming from your engine compartment. The solution may be something terribly simple, such as a checkbox that one fails to uncheck while installing a perfectly safe program, or some nefarious little program called viruses, adware, etc., which managed to bypass a computer's security measures and exists solely to hide and serve ads. Those can be harder to deal with. Much like a car's windows should be closed when parked in the middle of a busy city, as do not let bugs or criminals in, a computer connected to the Internet must be properly protected. It is easier to get caught breaking in a car window, then sneaking annoying programs into people's computers, so tech-savvy criminals do rejoice. This is not a problem that is going away anytime soon. To make matters worse, there are programs and websites out there that purport to help, but are really tricking you into installing even more bad stuff. If you want to give a shot at cleaning your computer yourself, it is imperative that you source your info and tools from a trusted source. If you have a Windows PC, Microsoft's free tools would be a good start and may be all you need. He gives it to the site there, Microsoft Security, Security Spyware, Remove. If your own attempts fail, a local tech-savvy computer person may need to see your computer. A person with the right skills can sometimes solve these issues in minutes. Such a person would also be able to make sure that your PC had all the proper security measures up and running. A properly set up computer can run for many years without the slightest hassle. Well, I want to thank John for that, and thank goodness that there are people out there who can tell us these things. I installed the program John suggested, and it told me that my computer was clean, so I'm still going to have to keep looking.
Casey, Senator Whitehead. That was probably recorded a long time ago, but everything we play on this program, most everything was recorded a long time ago. The things that we talk about that went, did not happen long ago with things that we read in the newspapers or see. And there was an article in the newspaper, you might have seen it, there was an article there recently about the age limit being lowered on Mormons who were going on missions. And a lot of people wrote in letters to the editor that they wouldn't let a Mormon in the house. Now, you know that my hobby is studying languages and that I've always envied anyone who could live in another country for a year and learn another language. So what do you suppose what do you suppose I'd say if, given a choice, I could have my nephew in South America learning Spanish for two years or carrying a weapon in Afghanistan for two years? Now I'm sorry. I'm sorry if this makes me a disagreeable person, but I always welcome Moonies or Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses or whoever comes to call. When my friends are seated comfortably here in the cellar, I give them a lecture on the blessings of solar radiant heat in my cellar floor. I point out the pipes coming in from outside, hanging on the wall and going into the floor. I let them feel the heat in the floor. I talk about saving money. Even a kid can build a thing. Why aren't more main people told about how much money they can save by building their own solar hot water heaters? Now, you don't have to be rich to do it. And I get right wound up because I'm quite religious about saving money with solar energy. You might not believe this, but some friends get up and leave before I even get to the exciting part about pouring the cement on top of the PEX pipe. I used to think leaving while I was begging them to stay wasn't a nice thing to do until I realized they were probably rushing out of here to build their own solar collectors at home. When I mentioned this to one of my radio friends in Palmyra, who will soon be 80 years old, she said that Mormons were very intelligent and that she could talk with them. But when she saw Jehovah's Witnesses coming, she always met him at the door in the nude. I wrote right back to her that I was glad that she had found a use for him.
Kind of a kind of a funny ending there. You are listening to Scott Hamilton here on the Humble Farmer Radio Program. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. And I appreciate the fact that you are listening. One morning, I read an article by a professor at the University of Maine, Orono. And I googled around to find out a little more about him. I found him. He turned up on a Rate My Professor's chart. And I saw that some students hated him and some students loved him. <laughs> and this just proves, I guess, that unfortunately not all professors are for all students. Professors might be compared to students and that it might take society 20 or even more years before it can accurately determine if what they taught or what they learned was of any value. A student who learned in school to be a good neighbor is appreciated more in his community than one who got high marks in geometry. And how in the world are you going to measure that on a test? Which is why you probably won't learn anything about the things that really matter if you grade students or professors. And think about this. When you grade an entire school, imagine grading an entire school. When you grade an entire school, are you really measuring anything more than the levels of income and the levels of education of the adults who live in that particular community? You remember the story about the woman who thought her son was brilliant, although tests determined that he was severely retarded. And they discovered that the woman was comparing the child with his father. Now, you've heard me say this before, but here it is again. Some of the most famous and effective teachers were burned at the stake or crucified or asked to drink poison just to shut them up. So whenever you read of a professor who's kicked out of a university, aren't you tempted to believe that he's probably saying something that people need to hear?
Gene Harris, you might have thought it was Oscar Peterson. 
if you weren't listening all that closely. Gene Harris. I like the guitar player there, Luther Hughes. I have one CD Carl Jefferson sent me years ago. had Luther Hughes on the cover. I never played it because even though he was playing good things, he had a cigarette in his hand when he had the picture taken. What an old, what an old thing I am, huh? In response to a newspaper article about the noise generated by a building inhabited by college freshmen, a reader writes, Now you're actually seeing what your little angels actually do in college and huge surprise. Everyone wants to blame the town, the cops, the facility. How about someone blame the undisciplined kids? adults, technically, and the parents that raised those maniacs. Well, yeah, you're right about the parents. Parents really don't know how to raise children until they are grandparents. And then they wring their hands and worry because their children don't know how to raise children. I was a teetotaling wimp when I started college, so... I was able to stand back in the shadows and simply observe the usual first year away from mama madness. It is a rite of passage, any way you want to spell right. Anthropologists have spent years in jungles and deserts in Chicago studying this phenomenon of coming of age. May I confess that several years of Bravely fighting for my country in the Coast Guard were well behind me when I started college, and that I lived in lonely rooms rented out by quiet elderly folk in their thirties, and never in a college dorm. I never lived in a college dorm. Because I was supporting myself, most of my time out of class was spent grubbing for food and rent money. No. I don't mean to tell you that I haven't spent <laughs> many, many nights in a frat house where there was hollering and drinking and who knows who knows uh, who was doing what to whom upstairs in the cellar, but I was in the band that was making most of the noise.
How quickly the hour goes. It's uh, almost time to get out of here. I think I got time for one more tune and to tell you a little bit about. We're going to get Cheetah to explain. We're going to get Tarzan to explain to Cheetah how the main state sales tax proposal thing works. We got time. Got to get to to that. Have I mentioned recently that you're listening to the Humble Farmer on your favorite radio station? With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For years, I thought it was Evelyn Waugh who was responsible for one of my favorite quotes. But in checking it out the other day, I discovered it was P.G. Woodhouse. And here's the quote. How could I have been confused for 30 or 40 years? It's one of my favorite quotes. Please listen carefully. Into the face of the young man who sat on the terrace of the Hotel Magnifique at Cannes, there had crept a look of furtive shame, the shifty hangdog look which announces that an Englishman is about to talk French. John Thyson, playing hoagies, little old lady. Earlier we heard him play one of my favorite things, One Morning in May. Nice, nice hoagie tunes here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We read that a bipartisan group of 
Eleven lawmakers unveiled a proposal to overhaul Maine's tax code by lowering individual and corporate income taxes and eliminating the estate tax. Well, how's that going to work? Well, to make up for the loss of a lot of money that would be the result of doing this, a sales tax would be slapped on nearly all products and services and nearly all exemptions would be eliminated. (laughs) Pretty scary stuff. Is it not yet Another example of the rich trying to unload the cost of running the government onto the poor? One way to get people to be suckered into voting for a higher sales tax on almost everything is to, yes, point out it will hammer the tourists who visit Maine in the summer. Because if you're a proud Maine person who doesn't think about it too much... You can be convinced by the proponents of a high sales tax that you are striking a blow against the thousands of wealthy travelers who clog our inns and roads every summer. Because what you're not supposed to think about when you support this bill is that a tourist might only be here paying that sales tax for two weeks at most, but... <laughs> but that you as a resident will be stuck with shoulder and most of the burden 52 weeks out of the year. It has never called to your attention that a higher sales tax is one that naturally, one that's naturally, it has never called to your attention that a higher sales tax is one that is naturally supported by people who are very rich because poor people have to pay most of it. There was the usual squabble and attempt to spread misinformation over this sales tax bill that was recently considered by the Maine State Legislature. So, to reduce a lot of confusing verbiage to elementary terms, we will now ask Tarzan to explain this sales tax bill to Cheetah. Rich man like sales tax on bananas and other food that Cheetah eat. Rich men like low tax on huge rich man income. Cheetah have no clothes on back but eat bananas, so cheetah like low tax on food. Explained like this, even monkey understand difference between regressive and progressive taxes. Let's turn in, Jane. (laughs) 